The last Easter sermon I preached was April 1, 2018. After 12 and a half years serving the Light of Christ Anglican Church in Denver, I was retiring. So it was not only Easter, it was my last Easter as a, a full-time engaged pastor. And so I'm thinking, how do I say this? How do I tell the story that we all know and we all know how to do it? How do you say it again in a fresh way? Uh, it didn't escape me that Easter that year was on April Fool's. I, I, uh, if you think God doesn't have a sense of humor, uh, he does. And so I'm beginning to cast my net wider and wider through the scriptures. And I got into Job and all of a sudden the skies opened and the light shone down and there it was. For the first and probably the only time in my life, I preached Easter from the book of Job. If you know anything about that book, you're probably as surprised as I was. There in Job chapter 9, verses 32 through 35, it says this. God and I are not equals. I can't bring a case against him. We'll never enter a courtroom as peers. What a great statement. Never enter a courtroom as peers. How I wish we had an arbiter, some version said an umpire, to step in and let me get on with life, to break God's death grip on me, to free me from this terror so I could breathe again. Then I'd speak up and state my case boldly. As things stand, there's no way I can do it. We started there because Job didn't know about Jesus. He was looking for him. There are other verses that talk about that in Job. But Easter brought the answer Job was looking for. We found that intermediary, that go-between, what Hebrews would wind up talking to us about as the high priest. Now, the New Testament begins to flesh that out and give us more detail and color. And the book of Hebrews focuses on Jesus as, as the high priest. And, and there's all kinds of stuff there that, that goes along with that. He, uh, there's a lot of information here. And if we wanted to, we could get lost in that. There's culture and there's theology and there's language and there's history and there's all of this stuff that just excites the mind. And, and for people who need to hear something new every day, that, boy, that's a text to get into. But it seemed just so, it, it just seemed like information. And I was having a hard time as I got my assignment and as I'm looking over this thing and it's just words and words and words and complicated words and and I did what I always do oh God where are you in this how do I see you in this text come to life for me and then came Friday and Saturday of this week and oh did God come to life on Friday I went to a funeral for the sister of my sister-in-law, my youngest brother's wife, her sister, uh, died suddenly in her early 60s. She and her husband had just sold a home here. They were moving to northwest Arkansas to be near children and new grandchildren, and she was so looking forward to the next chapter of her life. She and uh, her name was Trish. My sister-in-law's name is Becky. Trish and Becky were at a, a park in Lakewood. I know the park.
played all afternoon with those new grandchildren and had it was just a glorious day. That night, Trish suffered a fatal heart attack and a week later they just unplugged the machines. And as we were gathered there in that place, her husband wrote something about his wife. A lot of times we don't do a good job with that stuff. His was almost poetry. And, and he made a statement that I have never, never heard before and will not forget. Describing, they were trying to describe what a loving woman, she said. And he said, no words of love were ever left unspoken. What a great state. What a wonderful thing to have said of us. I heard those words and I thought, I need to get busy. There are words of love. I haven't spoken yet. And I need to do that. That's an epitaph. What a great statement. And, I, and, and suddenly, I mean, God was alive again and this text began to come alive. And then yesterday we dialed in when there was Joel Pugh's memorial service here. It's online at the church. If you haven't seen it, you need to go see it. Because the, the, the thrust of the service was Joel Pugh was a friend of the bridegroom. He did an excellent job of bringing people to Jesus and then getting out of the way. And, and suddenly God became more alive and more real. And as I begin to look at this thing again and afresh, if you want life, you've got to bring life. If you want life from the Scriptures, you've got to bring your life to it. If all you want is an answer, then bring your mind, check off the box, fill in the blank, and go home. But that won't change your life. If you want to change life, you've got to bring your life to the Scriptures. And as I begin to, to meditate on this thing, it's, what does it mean that Jesus is the high priest? And, and how do you say it simply? Because there are some words and phrases in here that can tie us up in knots. Two introductory comments. First, this is a huge theological teaching. Jesus is both fully man and fully God. And the church has spent its existence trying to explain that and clarify that because you and I think you put two things together and mix them up. You either get something new or you look down there and there's still two things that hadn't touched. And, and that doesn't describe Jesus. There are precise theological ways to describe this. And these two guys in the robes here on either side will be happy to talk to you when this service is over if you want to find out what they are. Let me send you to the boys who are employed here and who, who, who know this stuff. I'm just a retired guy. I get to just stand up here and talk. But let me put it like this. If, if you watch... Nova or any kind of science stuff, you understand that physicists will track things that they cannot see, but they know are there and they know are real because of the effects they have. There, there may be a trace left behind, there may be a shadow, or it alters something else. And they say, we, we can't see it, but we know it's there. Now, Aside from trying to explain all of this, let me just say part of how we know Jesus is both is by the effect he has in the world and on people. And that's how I'm approaching this. The second thing I want to say, if you were reading, if you were paying attention down in verse 9 near the end of this thing, it ran across these words, and being made perfect. 
And little red flags go off. I thought he was perfect. Was he imperfect? Was, was, there, was he incomplete? What happens here? A better way of saying that is Jesus was made complete. If you were able to speak into existence a hammer and a nail and a board, you could create them out of nothing. Until you hit your thumb with a hammer, you'd still be missing something. The completion is the experience Jesus got to know as a human being. It's living through those things. And, And so understand, it's not that he was imperfect. It's that he not only helped create these things, he lived into them. He experienced them as one of the creatures. Now, what does it mean to say Jesus is our high priest? What does it mean to say we have a referee, a mediator, a go-between? Three simple statements. In verse 15, for we do not have a high priest, a go-between, who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. You ever been tempted towards immorality? Towards greed, gossip, stealing? All of those things that many of us know all too well? He didn't miss that. He was tempted by that too. The difference is he didn't give in. So we have somebody when we say, you, you don't understand. You don't understand. It's hard right here. He can say, oh, but I do understand. Because it was hard right there for me. The next verse talks about it from God's perspective. Let us then with confidence draw near the throne of grace. That's our single biggest problem of grace. That's our single biggest problem. It's not that God doesn't give us what we want, it's that we don't ask. Let us draw near the throne of grace that we may receive mercy, that's freedom, and find grace, that's help, in a time of need. If you need to be set free and given help, this is the guy. Jesus is one of us. He understands us perfectly. We can trust Him completely. We can say to Him what's going on because He's been here. Jesus is God. God trusts Him completely. We can speak to Him because He can speak. It's like He's sitting by God. That's what that verse means. He's in the throne room. And we speak to Him and He understands it and He's been where we are and He can say with experience to God, this is the need of my children. And I'm going to favor them with mercy, with blessing, with help, with freedom. Down at the bottom, verse 9, where it said, And every being made complete, this phrase, He became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey Him. Every solution, every answer begins with Jesus. Now, he's the guy in the middle, and if you want help, and if you want freedom, if you want to go on with your life, he's the guy you're going to have to talk to. 
Some of you know this story, some of you don't. When I was 23 years old, my parents were in the midst of some really hard times. Some of it involved some, some depression that I think is passed down in some strains through some genes in our family, and my mother was struggling with that. They were also doing a good job of just irritating each other and making life hard for each other. And one Saturday morning, just before the drugstore opened, February 5th, 1972, she took a little snub-nosed gun out of her purse and she shot him and then she shot herself. And suddenly, the word orphan, which I had known academically and theoretically, became a reality in my life. There were four boys, 27, 23, 19, and 15. For the next year, I was obsessed with finding out the answer. What happened here? What went wrong? What was said or done that shouldn't have been? What was said or done that, that could have been? What, why did this happen? Because I thought if I could understand it, if I could wrap my mind around it, then I would find peace. And some of us try and do that with God. If I could just figure out what he's doing and I understood me, oh, okay, now I know. And more and more I looked and more and more I became miserable and more and more frantic I was. And finally, after about a year, I reached a point and had a conversation with myself said, you know, you can keep doing this. But like they say in recovery, you keep doing what you've always done, you're going to keep getting what you always got. And I wasn't going to get an answer. And I thought, and even if I get an answer, will it make a difference? So through some other events, I happened to be at a, at a, at a meeting. And it became clear to me that, that somehow I, I needed the go-between because they were dead and God was in heaven and I was here. And I said, God, I need some help. And I thought about God for a minute and I thought, okay, can I trust Him? Do I believe God is fair? If you believe He's fair, you'll talk to Him. If you don't, you're going to spend the rest of your life solving your own problems. I believed, I said, yeah, I believe God is fair. Of all the people who know what's going on, who know the heart of each one of us, whose judgments are true and whose mercy is true, He's the one. I can trust this. So I said, God, I'm, I'm going to give you this. And I want to be free. I, I want my life back. There was a certain event that happened during this meeting and it's like God spoke to me. And he said, you can get free or you can get even, but you can't do both. And I said, I want to be free. So I said, here, you, you take this, give me peace. And, and in that moment, and I knew something had happened because the next day I woke up and I used to be able, it didn't take much to trigger my fury and my anger at old childhood memories. 
And they came back and it's like there wasn't any wind for that sail. They were gone. And, and I enjoyed a freedom and a peace that I know to this day. But it's indeed, indeed. Now, there's another story to that. I dug a big hole that I ignored for 33 years and that came back to haunt me later, but that's a whole other story. But at that moment, I didn't know the words, but I discovered what a high priest is. I discovered what a real go-between is. I don't know where you are. Those of us who are older, there's all kinds of memories. There's history. <laughs> there's our adult children. There's just all kinds of things that we say, I can't, un I can't understand this and I can't fix it. But you can give it to Him because He's fair. And He will give you in the place of heartache and despair. I said, Lord, I have some IOUs. I'm owed some apologies here. You collect them and you give me freedom and peace. Done. When you need a go-between, when life is at the point that, that you think I'd, I... I can't fix this. I can't solve this. Right. I need help. Hebrews says, there's one guy who can. He can talk to you and not be a stranger. He will not lord it over you. He will not look down at you and say, are you back again? One more time. Can't you ever get anything right? He will say, oh, I understand. And he will turn and talk to God in a way we can't and call upon the mercy and power and grace of Almighty God for what we need. And life will be different. Let's pray together. Gracious Father, Sometimes life is just routine and, and almost boring. There's a, there's a kind of a pace and a flow to it, and we like that, and, and we appreciate that. We thank you for those times that life is not always full of tumult and, and, and crises and, and things we have to deal with. But Father, there are times. There are times that life just gets turned upside down. And oftentimes that began in those times of ease and leisure. Father, when we come to you and simply say, God help, that's the sacrifice. That's the appropriate offering to bring. God help me. I don't understand this and I don't have any peace with it. Free me from this worry and despair and heartache and give me your help and your hope. Thank you that is the one who created us and loved us and came for us. That you will meet us again in mercy. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.